Hey, welcome everyone. I'm so excited that you're back on the Feed Your Podcast show. And today we have a live show. Now, I'm so lucky in these last few months, actually, the last few weeks between the travel and meeting some people and giving you the opportunity of having live rather than phone recorded um, podcast sessions. But I'm here with Kyle and Kyle's a local Orange County teacher and I'm just excited. It's always nice to meet new people. And we had a quick conversation prior to us jamming on this podcast and I'm excited to have a new friend in the yoga world, especially someone that lives close by. So without further ado, let's give Kyle a chance to offer a couple of words about himself and then we're going to jump into it and get more about him. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, Midwest guy living in Orange County, seven minutes away from you apparently. So I'm just trying to leave everyone a little lighter than what I found them. That's very cool. He's a Midwesterner, so all of you are in the Midwest trying to get to California that's the reason you're it on the happen. podcast. <laughs> yeah, it can happen. And funny, tomorrow I fly to the Midwest for Thanksgiving. I'm here with my son for the after not he's not being in America for so long, and he gets to go see his grandmother in Iowa tomorrow. So I'm from South Dakota, so neighboring states. Nice. Are you going back there at all for uh, the holiday season? No, I'm gonna do the orphan Thanksgiving out here. I got invited to a couple of uh, friends friendsgivings. Uh, so I think I'll take up those offers. That's not, a, that's not an orphan thing. That's like a community right, thing. Right, right. That's like putting yoga on the map in an actual <laughs> factual way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, you're teaching here in this Orange County region. I like talking with male yoga teachers as just to get an exposure for men to come into the yoga room, but also to put an exposure to subjects that might be more challenging. Sure. And no one wants to touch on them. Right. So I like going right into the meat of the conversation and then hopefully our listeners stay on for more of the insights that is being shared. But as a male yoga teacher, what are the, some of the challenges that you may have faced teaching or being in the yoga industry? Uh, definitely uh, the number one thing. I, you hear it from, let's say, men who are not in the yoga world, where it's they find out you teach yoga and they say, oh, man, are, you just, are there chicks everywhere? And it's like, that's the stigma. I think the biggest challenge is, is the stigma around like, because there's been plenty of examples of male yoga teachers not maybe doing the, you know, setting the best example. Um, so the biggest challenge is just getting over, getting past to be like, hey, this is my job. This is my profession. And yes, it is also my passion. Um, but the outside world looks at yoga as, I think, because of some of the headlines of some of the... Um, some prominent yoga figures that maybe fell from grace, uh, that it's got like over sexualized and men are just known for abusing power. So that's a thing that I deal with regularly. That's fantastic. Again, for the listeners who've been listening to the show regularly, they've discovered that they have been a variety of different perspectives from that. I've just like just a few weeks ago when I spoken to a guy from London, he was saying that. Like, he just loves it because, like, suddenly, like, men come to the classes because he's a male teacher, while some teachers have totally communicated what you just said. And for me, yes, I will admit, and, and my listeners know that, that part of the reason was because that subject, in my opinion, is a touchy subject with figures like, and the most biggest one is Bikram. Yeah. But now that we're on this, I don't mind exposing the fact that Krishnamacharya's grandson, um, Kastub, He's had various allegations. So here we have a variety of lineages of various profiled teachers. Again, I go from Bikram, who is primarily just around the fitness, the hot world. I'm the only one who teaches yoga. 
to Kastub, who is the grandson of the, the person, in a sense, who is the father right. of bringing yoga to the world, whether we want to consider it or not. But if it wasn't for Krishnamacharya, Tabi Joyce wouldn't have been a figure in our yoga world. Ayangar wouldn't have been a figure in our yoga world. Indra Devi out of South America wouldn't have been into our yoga world. And then his own son, um, Desika Char, um, that has also created an influence. So I take these two figures from two different parts, from a fitness, complete, change your body, be healthy, be skinny, and that's all I care about, to a lineage that is about, no, the growth of yoga, the deepness, that the posture is just a small minute, and both have articulated what you said, that there has been power struggles, sexual issues. I don't think it's just yoga. Correct. <laughs> and it's not <laughs> just in yoga. It's any, it seems like any time you give one man too much power or control, he, he's good. He's going to abuse it. Look what just happened in Hollywood. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it happens everywhere. It's not a yoga thing, although in yoga we're way more sensitive to it because of the student-teacher relationship that we deem as being sacred. And then when someone crosses that line, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. And really, yeah, I can believe it happens. Like, of course, it, you look at a guy like Bikram um, and it, like an ego that got so inflated that thought he was untouchable. Turns out he's not. Right. Yeah. And for me, it's nice to be able to have other people comment about it, both for the sake of making sure the conversation is there, so that it doesn't happen what we just now exposed in the United States of America, those of you who are listening from others and don't care to read the papers, about suddenly now exposing issues within the Hollywood world just because you didn't want to have the conversation. So it's not, I'm not trying to suggest that the conversation is always about that, but at least if it comes up, and here it came from you, being able to realize that there's no judgments here. It's just being able to have the topic out there. Well, when you when you phrase the question, you ask the question, you know, what's the biggest challenge as a male yoga teacher? That, for me, is just the immediate first thing that comes to my mind. I, I, I don't see any other challenges as big as that one. That's the elephant in the room, right? In my opinion, true, which is why I made that question. Yeah. And it's been fun to hear that it's not necessarily sometimes the first thing that strikes other teachers. And then we learn about where the teachings are and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's an elephant in the room that is hardly discussed. It, and I've, aside from the, let's call them the high profile teachers that have had, you know, sexual misconduct allegations or whatever, in it, I see it amongst other teachers whose names I won't name here, but like just either people I know personally through the community. I'm like, Oh my God, like that guy is totally on his way to becoming the next, like, you know, name that, that falls from grace kind of thing. It's like, even as a, you know, prominent or popular local teacher, um, I see it happen to, to, to men every, I think it just comes down to like discipline. And, you know, where, where's your intention? Like, where's your head at? Why, why are you sleeping with that many students? Why wow. is that? Exactly. Why? Especially when it's many. I mean, it's one. Yeah. Now, when that word comes out. And should you date your student <laughs> is a whole nother thing. I've heard, I've heard some good input from other male teachers who I trust and whose opinions I definitely respect. Um, I, for a very long time, was like, just nope, nope, off limits. And then over uh, time, a friend of mine has like, you know, 
if you've known someone for the, uh, what was the quote, a year and a day, my buddy David would say, a year and a day. If you've known him for, for over a year and you have a friendship with him and there's connection, is that wrong? You know, uh, I have a thing where I'm like, I don't necessarily, um, if we met because of yoga, it's weird for me because I think that you have a, 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 a different view of me as a teacher rather than Kyle as your friend, if we met in some other context, right? But when you meet someone as a teacher, just it, they have a weird idea that somehow you just, when you leave the studio, you float home and eat granola and meditate for six hours. And like, that's not my life. And I, it's a harsh reality when they get introduced to Kyle, the non-yoga teacher, Kyle, who runs a business, Kyle, who does all these other things, right? I do try to do everything with a yoga mindset, but it's not all rainbows and unicorns. And so when you meet a student who is like interested, I think that's what they have a lot of times as a, at least in the initial phase till they get to know you. No, and I value and I really want to uh, appreciate, tell you how appreciative I am of that depth of honesty by saying that, yes, when the student first meets us in a yoga classroom, they have this idea. I brought to mind just the fact that I was invited to help a friend and be part of a, basically a whale watching trip down in La Paz, Mexico. And here was my opportunity to be like, wow, you're kidding me, you're inviting me, thank you very much, I'm honored, I'm honored. hey, I'll make some money, hey, that's the thanks for the bonus, mm-hmm. my flight's covered, and I get to go, and I get to teach yoga in the morning, and yin yoga in the evening, we'll be on the beach, every day we'll go see and hunt and look for whales, mm-hmm. thank you very much, where do I sign up, and I'll help him out. Fantastic, we go, we get there, we spend six days on the beach, beautiful, see tons of whales, um, not going to lie, awesome experience. On the bus back from the beach to the town, four hours, at some point the conversation goes around tequila. And then I'm like, well, you know, ladies, I mean, I could probably drink you under the table. And suddenly in the group of 50-year-olds, and at the time I was 28, and suddenly the conversation goes on, you drink? And I was like, what? What was your idea of me? It's like, you're, you're a yoga teacher. I'm in Mexico. Well, when <laughs> I'm in Mexico, it's like, and doesn't mean that I, I, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. And no, again, no offense to any of that. Right. And anyone who's dealing with that and surviving, that's, that's highly um, respectable. But this, the idea that people have an image of us just because I, they have in a, a perspective of what yoga is, what a yoga teacher is. And then to see the reaction when that sh- is shattered and let alone when, 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 when they were proven wrong. <laughs> He's very, uh, when inevitably all the human elements of you come out, you know, it's like, uh, the, the archetype has been built because yoga does have this such ancient, like, you know, history and the folklore of yoga and all the stories and anyone who teaches yoga uh, is, you know, sort of, I think, put on this, like, pedestal, like, oh, you're a holy person, you're a yoga teacher, like, no, I'm a human, and I also have a lot of problems, too, right. you know, like, I deal with all kinds of stuff, so, um, as, to circle back as it pertains, I think once the, their belief system is sort of broken, or the identity that a student created for you gets shattered, that's when, uh, that's when, it, that's why I don't date students it's just like we have to know each other for a very long time 
for it. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And that's what I was saying, like the honesty and that level, yeah. both on recognizing that people put us in the category and then you standing true to yourself by recognizing that, no, I'm not going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to be in an environment that stays and you get to see people regularly. Unlike my environment that I don't see people regularly. Mm-hmm. And technically, if I met you in a yoga workshop, I know that that exists there. And then if I were to see you somewhere else and we develop a friendship based on other qualities. I would prefer to meet someone outside of that context of a classroom setting. And, it, you know, if they, uh, if it's like, oh, we've actually known each other for a while and you know me as Kyle, the person who teaches yoga, not Kyle, the yoga teacher, that's a much different. So that kind of answered the question on how you deal with these challenges. I just don't put that energy there. Right. Because it all comes down to the, like, you know, where's your head at? What's your intention? The guys that go around and, you know. Let me ask you, like, do you, like, because I'm hearing a sense, there's a huge difference. And I think that for the listeners, I believe that it does exist, meaning that teachers, male teachers in the classroom as they're teaching are putting up this vibration and creating a situation of wanting this attention mm-hmm. compared to you were in my class, I've seen you in my class, I'm a yoga teacher, and then suddenly we're out on Friday night and I'm at the club and I see you. And a very different, as much as there's still that dynamic, right. you still think of me as a certain human being, you have that image of me, but a different context, wouldn't you say, between the interaction and the way the male-female relationship is broken in the yoga room? True. So if you're in the, inside the yoga room, it, like when I show up, I don't want to say it's like just straight business because I'm there to have fun, empower people and give a lot of compassion and love and kindness and all the things. And sometimes that line can get blurred. Where, where's the love coming from? And, uh, the, to the, the guys out there who, you know, probably don't have the best intention. You can sense it. It's a vibration. It's like sexuality has a tone and it's, it's a different tone than when you come into class. I'm like, Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, you know, I love how dedicated you are. Practice, big hug, and it's very just a friendship vibe. If you want to put it out there, you can put that vibe out there, right? right? It's And everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's a little, it's not the same way that you would approach or greet someone or hug them or shake their hand when there's that underlying, um, you know, sexual energy that some guys try to put out. So when I get in the yoga room, I just get real clear, like, hey, I'm here to, I'm here to teach some yoga. We're going to have a whole lot of fun doing it. We're going to challenge our bodies physically, but I just don't have the other part. Of, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And again, for, for us, and that's the fun thing about this question, it leads in a variety of different directions. And the listeners who've been listening to various podcasts can attest to that, that every person has a different take on what's going on in that world. Mm-hmm. So let's jump a little bit and figure out when you started practice. Oh, yeah. And how did you find yoga? October 2010. Um, first class, so seven years ago, um, which seems like a long time, uh, but on the grander scale of things, not really. You know, I talk to experienced practitioners who have been doing it for 20, 30 years. So I'm, I consider myself kind of a yoga toddler, not a baby. Like, I know my way around a yoga mat, um, but I'm still learning. So seven years ago, it was... Um, well, my best friend had encouraged me. He's a big time yoga dude. He's been doing yoga a long time. And he's like, you've got to get on your yoga mat. You just, you go to the gym, you lift weights, you do all these things. 
and um, my I was very much uh, kind of cocky about it. Okay, I was like, oh, of course I'll go to. Yeah, this is gonna be so easy. Love like, it. It's Love ju- it. it's just stretching, <laughs> right? right. Oh, oh, and there's going to be girls there. Awesome. <laughs> right? I went in with that mentality, and it was very quickly. Was it free for you? The guy gave me the class for free. Yeah, I, went, I, got, I got, a free, got a free week. And I was like, yeah, this, I, don't, I don't even... This is a high yoga class. It was, uh, it was warm. It was like 85. Okay. It wasn't hot, hot. But um, it was a vinyasa class. I, I understood kind of what yoga was, like moving, breathing, mindfulness. I'm like, I can get down with some, some mindfulness. I don't... Uh, you know, I was very... I was a very different person back then. My life was just a lot of partying, pursuing money, uh, sex, getting that validation from females and like how I am uh, only as important as the amount of zeros on my paycheck kind of thing. Okay. Right. It was that I was, I was a guy in his uh, late or mid to late twenties making decent money and just cared about status. And so when I was like, I took this approach or mentality of like, I'm going to be good at everything I do. And so when I showed up to my first yoga class, I was like, all right, I got show me what you got. And it was, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Wow. I was like. Physically, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, with connecting all these pieces you just mentioned. I, yeah. I had a, a, the, you know, you always remember your first like yoga teacher, you wanna, right? You want to give a shout out to this teacher then? Uh, her name was Erin and she, it was from Denver. It was a. Aaron, if you're listening, Core Power, 2010, October. Um, and she is, you know, just this really elegant um, woman who just kind of floated around the room, or at least that's my memory of it, right? Because right? um, it was just like this magical space. The, the lights were low. It was like a nice, solid 85 degrees. Um, good music. You know, they just set the, set the environment up. And um, there was a, there's one defining moment where I looked down, and we were in, I want to say, Forum Plank. And I looked down, and um, my arm was just covered in sweat. And I was like, I've never had that much sweat on me. Because normally you work out of, like, a gym environment, right? They don't heat the room. So it was, you know, um, I wasn't, like, just doused in my own sweat. And then we went into, she said, Shavasana. And I look around, I was like, is everyone, everyone's just laying down? <laughs> like, what is this? Uh, so I was like, all right, I guess I'll lay down, too. And that's when I kind of just sank in. I was like, all systems are brought on, like brain, body, breath, like muscles. I was like, there's got this big like tingly moment as like everything just kind of connected. And that was my first yoga class. I walked out and said, I'd like to sign up for membership. And they're like, well, you finish your free week. I was like, no, I'll just sign up for membership now. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then every, every day, like, um, and then was working at a studio as a cleaner like six months after that. And then, like a year after that, did teacher training. And that was my path into. That's you know, awesome. No, I mean, I'm glad. I mean, yes, my next question would have been what inspired you to start teaching. Um, and we'll, I think we'll take that. And yeah. See if you I'll, share it, mine was from. just really, I was at the studio, you know, every uh, once a week I was cleaning the studio wiping up sweat and cleaning the mirrors and then in exchange for that you know i just you spend enough time at a yoga studio you start talking to a lot of yoga teachers and people who practice a bunch and um there the the long story short was back at that time teacher training was half price for anyone who worked there and i was like okay <laughs> so, uh, yeah again i it had no idea what was going to happen the impact it was going to have on my life um i was like half price I'm a sucker for a deal. Let's go. Um, so I did it. No, that was my first 
TT way back in the day, but yeah. And so when would you say, did you start teaching right away? Um, did you find that, I mean, you took the, obviously there was an interest to the yoga you're practicing. It drew you so much from the first class that here you become like an active participant in the mm-hmm. community. You're finding ways of giving back to the studio. Yes, of course, if there's a deal, let me take the deal. But then you go through a teacher training program, it exposes you perhaps to a variety of new information that's personally fulfilling. But did that also yeah. immediately want you to go teach? Tell us yeah, a little bit. so my path was a little, I like, I took a very just hard-nosed approach to everything. I was like, if I'm going to do something, let's do it well. And so during teacher training, um, which was the early part of 2012, um, we graduated in I want to say April of 2012. I had made up my mind. I was working for a, a software company at the time. I was in the did sales in the startup world, and I was like, "I'm going to build a yoga website." And this was before teacher training ended. And then I turned. Let's see, I turned thirty that year, and on my thirtieth birthday, it was July twenty third. I was in Mexico, and I was like, "I said, all right, you have like ninety days to make up your mind to do this thing." And by September, I walked into my CEO's office. I was putting everything together in the background, like hired a little firm to help build my site. And um, I walked into my CEO's office and I was like, I love you and I'm leaving. I have to go. And he asked what I was doing. I said, I'm going to start a video yoga site. And he, um, he was like, you're, you're insane. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. But I got to do this. I just turned 30. If I don't start my own business now, it may never happen. So my first teaching was um, on camera. Interesting. So I would record my yoga classes. And then I finally got a job at a studio in, in Denver and was then started teaching live classes. My first, this is good, my first live class, um, I go into audition at like 5 o'clock. I do a 10-minute audition to a brand new studio that opened in Denver. Much love to the river, if you guys are listening. The river at 1212 Delaware. And um, the woman who ran it at the time said, hey, Great audition. Would you like to teach here? I said, yeah. And she said, would you like to teach the 530 class? And I was was like, you mean the one that starts in 15 minutes? And she said, yeah, you're on. And I was like, okay, great. I was kind of panicked. I was like, that's a lot to handle. And in walks, it was a brand new studio, so they didn't have a lot of traffic. In walks one girl named Jamie. And it was Jamie's first yoga class ever. And it was my first yoga class ever teaching and it was a one-on-one, and it was very awkward. <laughs> I was expecting, like, you know, five to ten people. I've been, you know, maybe 30, whatever. But it was just a one-on-one with a total stranger. She's never taken a class, and I've never taught a class. That is a fantastic <laughs> story. That's beautiful. Um, what's the name of the website that you started off then the, teaching? So you teach uh, how many classes? Let's give them the website, yeah. and then tell me how many classes did you think you taught online before you had the first pers- Oh, one and one. Yeah, yeah. The the site is uh, Reflection, but it's spelled R E F L E X I O N, like Flex Reflection uh-huh. Yoga. And um, I had taught, you know, I had probably like ten or twelve videos uploaded, uh-huh. and then I had some friends that would record for me, and um, you know, try to build this like yeah. little mini business. Um, and so I didn't have a ton of teaching under my belt. Uh, what I found was that I really enjoyed. Um, the videos are great. I love doing video. I still have video projects that I work on for, you know, different kinds of trainings, but, um, there's no substitute for being with people, being in a room, getting hands on bodies, helping people get upside down, helping people become, um, more attuned to what's actually happening in their body, helping them feel something 
There's, there's a magic that happens in yes. the room. I love online videos, and I think it's a way to reach a lot of people. Um, and my favorite thing to do is to be in, inside a room with people. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I do online. Where I have things that are online, and but travel because I want to be around people. The experience to be with people has its own meaning in terms of my the feeling as a yoga teacher that a yoga teaching aspect is my yoga practice in a sense. True. It's and the, 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 I think the two blend well together. So I, I travel as well um, to do like workshops and stuff. You're in the room with them. You create that connection. And also when you leave, if you have videos or whatever, then they can feel like they're still practicing with you until the next time you come around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you say your practice consists of? Do you have a practice that follows a certain style or like Zen meditation or Ashtanga or do you have something different? Well, I, my practice has uh, morphed and evolved from a very dancey, flowy vinyasa, like everyday power vinyasa, power vinyasa, into um, I spend a lot of time on my hands. I'm, okay. <laughs> I have a okay. gymnastics uh, background. I started training with some circus people out here. Um, Before yoga? Or? No, actually after. I started doing gymnastics as an adult, okay. which there was a facility in Denver that had that, and I ended up working there. And um, so my practice is um, one of uh, a blend of things. So I get to my mat, you know, three to five times a week. I'm at the gym doing my actual handstand uh, and hand balance uh, training. And then I will go work with like my chiropractor, not to like repair injury or anything, but I have a really smart sports chiro that works with me and opening up my body in other ways. So as much as I love yoga, I also believe that like weight training is important. I believe that, uh, skill training for me, hand balancing is my skill I like to work on. Um, and I just, I like to do a lot of things physically. I do believe you can put yoga to anything. Um, I, uh, I have a video out on YouTube where I talk about when I watch power lifters. Like, that's yoga. Yeah. They're breathing. They're moving. They have a focus of lifting just a, an incredible amount of weight, right? And So I'm, trying, I'm doing, I guess, what I'd call less asana. I'm still, you know, on my mat quite a bit. But I'm less asana than I used to and just trying to put yoga on other things. Well, that sounds to me that it's the same aspect that I hope to impart on my students and then also my readers and such that... Yoga has nothing to do with this idea that the mat is yoga, but rather mm. yoga is an approach to life. And then suddenly everything that we do that creates the environment of choosing to be in the moment becomes yoga. For mind listeners about Patanjali Sutras where yoga begins in the now, mm -hmm. yoga is stopping or at least slowing down the overly turning aspects of our mind to then have an experience of who we really are. My favorite, my favorite place to do yoga is uh, on the 405. Like that's a that's a good practice right yes. there. When a traffic jam, do your yoga there, right? Exactly. Like you want something so bad, you want to be out of traffic, you want to get to where you're going, but there's literally nowhere to go in that traffic jam, right? That's a, the one of the best places to practice. Or a good traffic is just a really good teacher. It is. <laughs> it's a really good yeah, teacher. It shows you it's like where you're going. And I'll I'll use even another example of traffic where the average person can wake up in the morning and it's their day off and they'll get in their car and some people end up at work before they realize, wait, I was going to the mall on the other side of town. Mm -hmm. That sense of habitual yeah. falling into that we're not even noticing. And yoga is pulling us out of the habits and choosing to be conscious. 
Yeah, it is. A, that's a, I'm glad you used that word because it, it's a choice. Everything it's a choice. is choiceful, right? You're choosing to be angry in traffic. You're choosing to be annoyed at your significant other. You're choosing all these things. I think that was one, one of my biggest learnings in this constant evolution or the practice is that um, life doesn't really happen to you. Things ha- you allow things to happen around you, right? But you're in total control. Um, yeah. And you have to balance that with like you're in total control of your thoughts, words, and actions. Everything else, if you try to control that stuff on the other, you know, people, places, things, that's going to be a real hard, real hard practice. Trying right. to control everyone else. But as long as you get into the mindset of like, oh, I'm actually in control of my emotions and life doesn't happen to me. I'm just, you know, I'm in, I'm in the driver's seat. That's life been, happens around me and yeah. I have a control of where I am I'm, with life. I choose to react in certain ways or not react in certain ways. I can choose to see the sunrise. I can choose not to see the sunrise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but would you say that you're a full-time yoga teacher? I've heard you now sharing that there is a variety <laughs> of interests that are within your playing field at the moment. Share with us how you see your financial ways right now. I my, uh, I would say, yes, I'm a full-time yoga teacher. Not in the sense of that I teach 20 classes a week. Though. I teach like five. Um, and then I say full time because my, all of my energy goes towards my, my either yoga business online teaching or traveling, doing workshops. So yes, full time, I guess is the best way to, I'm a, I, I always uh, coach my, um, you know, new teacher trainees to think of yourself as a yoga professional. Um, being a professional means you carry yourself with like certain, uh, you take pride in your work, right? You carry yourself with certain, um, uh, dignity and you, you work hard. So that's what, um, I, I, it's, it's tough. Cause a lot of people look at like my life and like, dude, you just do handstands all day and play around. It's like, no, I actually behind the scenes, I'm, I'm working very, very hard. So tell us, I mean, yeah. you just mentioned the term handstands. I know for a lot of people in the yoga world that they come to me often, it's like, Oh, let's do a handstand. Um, right. um I'll be honest, you know, I have, I just changed my profile picture. And from doing a handstand in front of these huge statues of gorillas looking up. And I was like, you know what? I got to do a handstand over here. Yeah. But it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I find it to be, uh, and this is personal opinion, of course, handstand is the most coveted pose in all of fitness. Yoga does handstands. CrossFit does handstands. Uh, some forms of dance. And then you get to the world of gymnastics and circus, which are the handstanders, right? The, 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 the ones to follow. So... Um, I took uh, uh, sort of a liking to the to the skill or the pose uh, many years ago, and I had a handstand where I could I could balance, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm doing a handstand. And then the more you get in depth in the refinement of things, it's like, oh, you need to you need to open your shoulders, you need a flatter back, you need a longer line, point your toes, lock out your knees, do all these things. And so now I've developed a um, it's the ongoing joke amongst me and my friends that my girlfriend is handstand. So on like my social media status is like relationship status, handstand. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that's what I do. I travel around, teach people how to do that. And I find that where I get a lot of traction is in the yoga world because it's a, it is a very coveted pose. And I'll say it here on your podcast. And I say it to literally every student I encounter handstand is fun. It doesn't make you a better person. People want it because they think somehow by getting a handstand, it will change the trajectory of your life. Now, is there value in working really hard at something and then accomplishing it and proving to yourself that you can do it? Yes. Awesome. However, um, 
going in a handstand from any other angle other than um, just one of like, hey, I want to do this for me. It's you you start navigating in some some difficult waters. And I'm glad you shared that. You know, like Maiden uh, thought of it. Uh, it's the journey that's the destination. It's the process. Mm-hmm. Yes, yoga offers us these quote unquote sh- poses for show. In the Ashtanga world, we use and recognize that poses like handstands are just for show. Party trick. I mean, if you're trying to be healthy, then um, I got I got the poses for making you healthy. But then I got the pose to give you a show. And then if you'd like those, at least start when we got you healthy. See, in Ashtanga, the primary theory is for health. Everyone mm-hmm. should do it. Like one of my teachers simply calls it old man gymnastics. Mm-hmm. My other teacher just simply points out, look, it's just brushing your teeth. Let's not make too much of it. It's a good way to brush your teeth. You keep a nice body and you need, keep a healthy body. That's what I mean to say. Right, right. And you're staying healthy for life. Fantastic. Thank you. I mean, I might still lose my teeth brushing them, but if you want to go to the handstands or you want to do these things, they're just for show and not going to make you stronger, better, or more active. And yet here again, you chose to say it. And I like to tell my students, if that's really what you want, then why? That's cool. Come to my class. I'm not trying to don't come to my class, but go over to the gymnastics, go over to the circus people. They're going to teach you better foundations. You're going to spend the time trying for it. And then you'll have a discovery because you're actually practicing when I showing up. When I, uh, I teach a workshop out here uh, through our yoga studio called Six Weeks to Handstand. And the number one piece of feedback uh, that I, I get from the students, on, on the, they roll in their first day with their yoga mats. And I was like, oh, no, leave that in your car. You're not going to need that at all today. And, and then at the end, I, you know, end of the six weeks, everyone's got their handstand. They're like, okay, so this is not a yoga course. This is a gymnastics course. I'm like, yeah, if... I love yoga. I love the softness of the practice. I love um, the, a lot of the uh, elements of uh, opening. The one pose in yoga that I teach from a gymnastics perspective is, is the handstand. They're just better at it. They just have, that's their skill. That's right. the thing they focus on. So um, teaching a, a gymnastics style class to yoga people who are inherently adept at movement. They like to move their bodies. They're yogis, right? Now you just teach them a few uh ways to move it in a, in a, uh, in a new pattern, different pattern. Right. And, um, that's one, one of the biggest, uh, I guess not to toot my own horn, but one of the biggest compliments you can get as a teacher is when your students are like, I had no idea I could do that. Right. And you're like, yeah, you can. And that's, that's a cool place to be with your handstand. Not, you know, Oh, I'm so strong. I'm going to show the world that, you know, and I need validation from other pre- people. But when your students say, Holy cow, I just did a freestanding handstand, and I didn't know that I could that, that I could do that. And so it brings us back to Patanjali, where we don't really know who we are, and we have these opportunities, and we have these directions, and we have these poses, and we have these meditations, all at, at triggering an openness so that we can discover that which we already are. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of Patanjali is like, look, there's no poses. And so yes, there are poses, and then that's a direction to go there, but if I came to handstand. And the only reason I, would, I want that is for this Instagram picture. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, start there. You know, I'd much rather you start here because if you really wanted it, you would have to practice. Mm-hmm. And if you actually practiced, something else will happen. You know, it's funny. The last time I was just in Australia doing a handstand um, workshop here very recently. What was that? Three, three months ago. Um, and the one of the participants got, you know, got into uh handstand and she's like i've she said i've never done that before 
And I was like, awesome. What else are you going to do this year that you've never done before? Right? Because it's just the, it's just the trigger. Of like you didn't think you could do it. You proved yourself that your, that your previous belief system was actually inaccurate. What else do you believe about yourself that's not true? Now, there's a big question, right? Getting a handstand, whatever, I can teach you to do that in six weeks. But changing your belief system, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's beautifully said from someone else and articulated in another way because this is being said by business people who are trying to teach people how to succeed in life, whether it's your life coach. Now, suddenly, the word yoga spans in a completely different meaning on so many subjects that people are paying attention to, wanting to, when they talk about trying to discover and improve themselves. Yeah, and it's, it's like, think about it like this. Fitness, whether it comes in the form of yoga or CrossFit or gymnastics or circus or whatever, will change your body. Like, I can change your physical form from either losing weight or running faster or doing a handstand. You can change your body and um, the bigger thing doesn't happen with the muscles doesn't happen with your flexibility. It happens on the inside, like on your, on the very core of you in your spinal column, your nerve endings believe that, uh, that you can do anything. Right. That's once you get, man, you tap into that resource, handstands, nothing. And isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Right. So what would you say to your earlier self now? Like, like these insights that you've discovered and have taken if you had to, and you could, look at your first at yourself mm-hmm. in the beginning, what were three tips that you would give yourself? Three tips for Kyle seven years ago, who just starting out with his yoga practice, would be um, open up variety. Go to because I was in a power vinyasa world, so go take more Ashtanga classes. Go take more Dharma classes. Go take Iyengar restorative. Practice a lot of different styles of yoga. And then also uh, start eating. I, like I eat pretty clean now. I, eat, I try to do like mostly ketogenic, healthy fats. Um, but start your diet, man. Part of like people think they get a six pack in the yoga room. You don't get a six pack in the yoga room. You get a six pack in the kitchen. That's the only place that happens. Um, so eat cleaner. Be more mindful about putting the food that goes in your body. Um, so variety of study, better nutrition, and then um, the. I would say just more accountability to your practice. Um, I think we've all been to that point where you let your practice slip for a little while, then you come back to it and you kind of feel like guilty almost of like, oh man, I missed a couple weeks. My hamstrings aren't where they were. Um, So just getting on a schedule and saying, hey, this practice has done so much for me that it's important that even on the days that I don't want to, I get to my mat for 20 minutes or whatever, just even something just to keep that there. Um, and I guess I'll throw in a fourth. Uh, I, I would ask my earlier self to probably get a little more, uh, self-aware earlier on, do more self-development off the mat. Mm. So, okay. You go to yoga, your yoga teacher hopefully teaches you some nice things, some poses, some mental things you can use. Um, but start asking, uh, a lot of questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What's, what am I, what do I bring to the world kind of thing? All right. For me, it was just like yoga, yoga, yoga. I have a practice cool. That's who I am. Um, and I, there, I didn't really get too deep in my first few years. It was just like this fun thing that I, I'm obsessed over, but there's a deeper layer when my body, I don't know when it's going to happen, but when this body can't do a handstand anymore, I need something else to rely on. 
you know? That's and, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if something happened to the body? What if I lost a leg? Yeah. Would I now lose the whole sense of Is identity because I, I can't do the poses? Mm-hmm. You know, that's wonderful tips for the listeners. Yeah. Even for me, I love hearing them. Made me also remember a younger being honest on, I was sick. And I didn't care. If, it took me 40 years to get healthy. So here he starts at 16. And it's not until he's 46 that now suddenly he begins to realize that all this time spent by trying to make his body as functional and as healthy as now also now gave him an understanding of the magic behind it. What would you say is your way of suggesting to your earlier self to be asking these questions just in terms of asking them or would there be some breathing or things like that? that Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple of, uh, you know, books that I uh, rely on. You ever have those books that you read like at least once a year? Yeah. They're just that good. Like the little print. Yeah. Just there. There's uh, one that I'm on uh, called you are the placebo um, by Dr. Joe Dispenza, which is just phenomenal, uh, phenomenal account of, it's how powerful the human mind is over the body. People that believe themselves sick or believe themselves well. Um, I would, um, to go back to my earlier self, I would feed more knowledge. Mm. Go take more courses. Dive into your mind. Your mind controls everything. Or said another way, the, the, um, the body will always catch up to the mind. So if your mind has the belief system of I can or cannot do this, the body says, okay, I guess that's what we are. That's who I am. So uh, I would do more, like I said, more self-development work on my own belief systems, my, my actual brain creating new neural pathways, new uh, patterns in my brain earlier on. It's like my current obsession now because I realize that's the keys to the kingdom. Your nervous system owns everything. Yep. 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 It's pretty powerful when you come yep. to terms with that subject matter. I spent so long stretching my muscles. <laughs> and now like my hamstring is, a, it's a good hamstring, nice open hamstrings. And I had I been smart, or had I known what I know now, I would have spent just as much time exercising my brain. So that's an awesome tip for the listeners, because again, here coming from an honest place of what you just said, where if what if I had known what I know now, oh. this one <laughs> little single tip, like I feel fortunate that I come into yoga from Patanjali, where it's like, look, the tip is this. That's who you are. Now, yes, eventually you learn that there's another tip in terms of this successfulness of behavioral patterns of the body, which is what you mentioned, Mm -hmm. tapping into the nervous system and then tapping into the energetic system, which I remember. All the things that we can't measure yet, I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about, right? Right. So a long time ago, they didn't have an electroencephalograph. They couldn't measure brain waves, right? And then someone figured out how to measure it. And then they said, oh my God, wait a second. This is everything. We haven't even tapped into 1% of what I believe is the measurable energy out there. For example, you and I having a conversation, there's energy fields between our two physical bodies that are communicating beyond our words right now. We, can't, we just don't have the instruments to measure it yet. And pretty soon we're going to. And then we're going to unlock what I hope will be a, you know, the superhuman way of communicating. And just also, in my opinion, the possibility of calmness practice yoga that's different than fitness mm-hmm. is that yoga at least tries to take the physicalness since we're talking about physical practice to develop the sensitivity of this relationship that you just mentioned exists beyond just these two bodies sitting that there's a realm of energetic exchange that happens 
And one of the things I love about yin yoga is Dr. Motoyama researching that, look, it's measurable. This life energy is measurable and it works in your deep connective tissue, which is your ligaments your, and your bone mm -hmm. and where your nervous system truly runs through. Mm -hmm. I had, uh, I may be proven wrong on the statistic, but I read it somewhere in a, something I mentioned in yoga classes a lot that the most, the most different you can be than anyone else. So take the person who is genetically the most different from you, um, age, gender, race, nationality, eye color, hair color, height, weight, the, the furthest away from you, you are still genetically 97 or 98% the same. So the most different you can be from anyone is almost identical, which is a weird concept, right? So the fact that, yeah, the same stuff that makes up your body also makes up my body, right? And there's, there's magic that happens. And to bring it back to yoga, that's why, like I mentioned before we turned on the podcast, you know, I still, I keep group classes um, here in Orange County because I love what happens when human beings get together. The capacity of realizing that we come and we say that word, you know, I'm often, I'm surprised that we lack the real meaning of it or people have, I mean, it's great that it's a colloquial world nowadays, word nowadays, but the word namaste means there's only one of us. Mm -hmm. It's within already that dimension. It's like you don't have to do anything. That aspect of yourself is still there and there is part of us that's the same. Well, you think of like all of the, all of the bad stuff uh, in the world is people trying to, to be like, I'm different than you. War, racism, sexism, prejudice, all the bad things are like, oh, we're not the same. Right. Right? And it gives birth to competition and it gives birth to uh, scarcity. Like, ooh, there's not enough pie to go around, so I'm going to take all the pie for me and you don't get any. Rather than the other side, which is where the yoga side comes in, is like, oh, no, we're all the same. We're all one. We're not different at all. Like there, And by the way, there's also enough pie. Right. Like, you get some, I get some. It's great. But would you say, like my experience, that even this pieness and challenges and competition seems to exist in the yoga world? And I don't want to be the one who just tries to be judgmental there. But do you see challenges that students and teachers face in the yoga world mm -hmm. based on this element that we're still human beings? We're not yet all fully enlightened to it, feel it, this. Yeah, when there's, there's a, a large pool of yoga teachers out there. If there were just one yoga teacher and the, you know, some guy sat on a throne and he was like the one yoga teacher ever, um, and everyone would just go to that teacher. But now there's businesses and people that invest money in yoga. And it's because of that, that this attitude of like, oh, don't do their yoga, do my yoga. My yoga is better than their yoga. So does that exist? Absolutely. Um, and this is coming from a guy who owns two yoga businesses. Um, so I get it. Uh, I would, I, I believe there's enough to go around. If you look at the trends and the increasing popularity of yoga, the percentage increase year over year, um, and people think, oh, there's, you know, I, I can't open a studio. There's already too much competition there. There's not, there's new students signing up for yoga right now. We are becoming more awake as a country, as a society, practicing uh, more mindfulness, whether it's yoga or meditation or whatever, people are starting to get interested in this stuff. So I, I personally like to think of the yoga scene and setting as we're all here. Let's all play nice in the sandbox. I love it. Yeah. And that's the magic, in, to use your words, that yoga is just the 
sandbox for adults. And if, if I guess if you had a studio, you know, and I bought the space next door and opened up a rival studio, that's com- that's kind of you know an extreme example of competition. But for man, that's impolite too. And that's, yes, that's impolite. It's <laughs> very non-yogic. Um, so I don't I don't know whether it's online or two studios in the same county or whatever. Um, I just, I do believe that there's a lot of, um, a lot of people getting interested in yoga and I, but then again, I always try to see things from an abundance standpoint rather than a scarcity standpoint because again, back to belief systems, mindset. Do, mindset. mindset, do I believe there's enough to go around? Yes. And thus the universe shows me that. Do I believe yoga is scarce and that I, uh, you know, there's students should buy my product versus this other product. If I believe that, then that's how I would view the world. And I don't want to view the world like that. And I'm glad the listeners get a chance to hear that so that they themselves can check in and see what mindset you have. And why not allow yourself to realize that? Look well, look around you. you know, there's so much around you. Yeah. Why not live the, from that place? The, one, the thing, I, I say this a lot, uh, and I you know, mention it uh, whenever I have a friend out here in Orange County that is maybe not appreciating everything they could. Um, Cause I come from a really small town in South Dakota. I lived in uh, Denver for many years. Uh, now I live in uh, Orange County and I always say, you wake up in a place where most people come to vacation. People take vacations to come out here and this is where you live. So you get to wake up in paradise and that is usually a good start to a day. That is awesome. Yeah. That's beautiful. So with all the success that you've had and are still having and these online businesses that you've Mm -hmm. built and created and create these workshops and travel, what three tips of success would you offer new teachers that are coming out? Oh, yeah. Uh, So if you mean specifically yoga teachers who want to... Yes. Go on. I mean, but again, any any person who wants to go, and again, because you're not just a yoga teacher, as we've heard, you're also recognizing that... You're trying to help people develop a skill, and this skill is a skill that's desired in a variety of fitness modalities. And within that, there's so many fitness people. I would say for anyone coming out, yoga or just a fitness instructor in general, you're out there, get real clear on what you want to do. Um, Get clear on your intention. So tip number one, figure out your mark you're going to leave on the world. I think I said it at the beginning of this podcast. At the top of my like uh, yoga resume that I used to send out, it said intention, and it was to leave everyone a little lighter than when you found them. That's my that is my ethos that I abide by. Like if you are better for having come to my class or having had an interaction with me, then I did my job. Yeah. If you feel lighter, you feel easier. That's the other thing. Step two, tip number two: be easy to work with. Don't be a diva. Mm-hmm. Don't think the world owes you something because you went and got your 200 hour certification <laughs> right so when when if a studio wants to work with you or if you're auditioning just to get on a sub list be easy to work with i have had you know had the uh privilege of interacting with some really great studio owners over the years and i've heard complaints about auditions or teachers that didn't get you know the ideal class they wanted and then were complaining and it's like you're never, you've you got to be easier to work with. Um, be happy for what you got. Be grateful for what you got. Um, and then the final tip I would say would be probably just to like um, get focused on your craft. Um, if you, what do you want to do? I teach handstands. So then I decided I'm going to get really good at handstand. Um, if you um, have a skill or a passion or something, maybe it's yin. 
Maybe it's, uh, I know some really great backbenders out there, and they, they just have this thing with backbending. They go teach it. So, um, and then again, that's just from my experiences. It's coming from a guy who has made a career out of handstanding. So, of course, I'm going to tell you to go find a skill. <laughs> but uh, be easy to work with, have a good intention, and then, you know, have, like, something that you're known for. People, um, I know I know a couple of teachers who are this world-renowned for being amazing teacher trainers. Right, and that's their thing. They teach yoga teachers, others who, like I said, the backbenders, the handstanders, uh, the yin people. Like, if you have a specialty or something, explore it. Or if you don't have one, um, like look around. Like, what lights you up? What lights you up on your mat? Because that's the stuff that you're going to teach with with the most passion. Like, if you ask me to go coach someone on how to run five miles, I'm not going to speak. Very passionately about that, (laughs) right? Right. Um, But if you say, hey, uh, I'm looking for a handstand coach, I'll talk your ear off on handstand theory, physics, you name it, right? So whatever lights you up, teach from that place. And I'm going to have to take you up on on a happy hour just so that I could could ask those questions now that you said. Because the same for me. It's like, you want to talk about yoga? Let's go. I mean, from here to the, till you don't want me to talk anymore and you don't have any more questions. I'll be more than happy to share what I love in that subject. Yeah. And and it reminded me of allowing the listeners to remember the words by Rumi. Let the beauty you love be what you do. Yeah. Make it I've I've really I didn't think it was possible and then now I'm starting to see that it is with, you know, my my handstand business I have, but the online videos plus out here the live version is like, okay, you can do what you love for a living. I used to think you had to do a job 40 or 50 hours a week and that would fund your hobby. You know, it's like, okay, do what you're passionate about and, and make that your job or figure out a way to figure out a way to make that happen. And the universe will support you if you do that. Belief systems, man. And that's the power. I mean, I really love that the ability for our listeners to really hear on that. It is a belief system. It is the idea of, recognizing that the law of attraction has a, a manner of supporting you. And yoga, if it inspires you, and from your first class, as the fact that you left that class being just so touched by that and just really dived right in there, compared to sometimes where people are like, oh, yeah, I take yoga. I mean, sometimes I see people and it's like, well, I'd love, let's, let's talk in 20 years. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I'm fortunate that some of my teachers are 40, 50 years in the practice. And in some level, I started a practice only because, in terms of asana practice, physical practice, was the brushing the teeth idea. That when I'm 80, I'll be able to move my body well. And if you want to, here's a science, here's a system that can get you there. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that you have a product for handstand and that you have understood that a skill can then support me in terms of my job, paying rent and the like. That also, as a yoga teacher, makes me help them go deeper through the skill that I'm giving them. Yeah, it's, you know, they, it's, I know it's cliche or said a lot, like yoga is a mirror. Hanson's also a mirror. And so is traffic. And so is the way you make your bed in the morning. And how you do anything is how you do everything, right? It's just sometimes you got to bump up against the harder things. Like, let's use handstand. Got to get over some fear. You got to be vulnerable to not be great at it right away. You have to be willing to ask for help. Now, these are skills for handstanding, but they're also just skills for life right yeah so it it'll it'll push you um much as your yoga practice does any good yoga teacher knows how to push a student a little bit to get a little more out of them 
Um, same with just any coach in general. But um, yeah, I it, it the practice of yoga that when I stepped onto my mat seven years ago has forever changed the trajectory of my life. And then I'm not gonna give. I'm gonna point the credit on the fact that no, the way that you just spoke about it. If you feel that a lot of other yoga teachers come from this angle of trying to make the student realize that the skills that I'm giving you are actually life skills hidden in this daily practice that I hope you come with me. If you feel that that's common, then I, I will allow you to have that feeling. For me, hearing you say that and the fact that you are the one who was presenting and not making me conscious that in your classes, that is the direction. I don't find that common. And so for that, I feel super blessed that I got a chance to meet you and have this podcast. Just for that little tip on the fact that no yoga, especially the way has touched you and the way you share it with others, is in that recognition that by doing and focusing on something and making me, the teacher, help you to go beyond that focus that you think that you have is yoga. Yeah, that's the, you know, the, I gotta, I got to get the pose, got to get the pose, got to get the pose. And then when you, the, the yoga happens, when it's like, oh, the pose doesn't matter. Yeah. Handstand doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it's fun and empowering. But um, when, I, when I leave the gym or when I leave the yoga mat, do I, am I a compassionate person? Am I kind? You know, do I, uh, do I listen? Am I a good friend? Am I a good boyfriend, a father, mother, whatever you are? Like, there, there's some yoga there. Be good at that yoga. Yeah. <laughs> and that's beautiful. Because in my in my opinion, that's the one thing that I believe does get lost in the overwhelming world of yoga teacher trainings at the moment. Yeah. Going to turn out celebrity teachers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any final thoughts you might want to share with these listeners? I mean, for me, I mean we could talk and continue this yeah. conversation for hours. No, I'm, I'm super... Uh, appreciative of you inviting me over. I know we had the phone conversation and when we figured out we live seven minutes away and uh, I didn't know you. Uh, and now I, I'm better for having met you. So thank you uh, very much for the opportunity. And yeah, um, I'm just going to keep doing my thing, keep teaching handstands and yoga and hopefully uh, make everyone a little bit lighter. And I love it. You know, like, I mean, I know that I jumped on to seeing your product so i can't wait to get the emails once we get off of here yeah yeah but let's have a way that our listeners can know how to get to you obviously they know that if they go on and look at the part the blog post itself they can see it but since some people might be listening driving hopefully on a headset everyone but um (laughs) let's give them a chance for you to tell them how they can see you find you and connect with you yeah, awesome. And thank you for the opportunity, by the way. My, so my uh, name is Kyle Weger, W-E-I-G-E-R, and my website is kyleweger.com. On there, you can find uh, a handful of free videos, my online courses, the Six Weeks to Handstand course. Um, yeah, just keep my website. You can follow me on uh, whatever social media platform you prefer. Um, but yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit about the social media? I mean, obviously, that is seemingly more of an attractive in some yeah. of the world today. Is it just your name, Kyle Weger? All of my stuff is KyleWeger.com. Because sometimes, like I know me, Gabe Yoga, as much as I thought it was super simple, it's Gabe Yoga on Facebook, but it's Gabe underscore yoga for Instagram. Right. <laughs> I have. So mine is uh, Facebook.com slash Yoga. That's my business page. Okay. Um, at Kyle Weger on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't do Snapchat or any of these other confusing ones. I can barely keep up with the three that I, <laughs> that I manage currently, but... 
Um, a lot of free handstand tips. If you follow me on Instagram, I'm always posting new videos of like, hey, what to do with your hands, how to shrug your shoulders, what distance should your hands be, all kinds of fun stuff. And then me just being silly. I don't, um, I'm not, I'm not a big million follower Instagram person, you know, but yeah. You make it light, you make it fun. And so everyone, this is an incredible human being that you need to be following. You need to jump in. And those, I know that you're secretly playing with handstands every day. Whether you're in the yoga world, since this is a feed your yoga podcast, but in, in, in all the other environments, those of you out there doing the CrossFit, so you all are doing it. So take Kyle's course; he's got even just some free videos for you. Yeah. So Kyle, I'm gonna put them there. I'm gonna shake your Thank hand you. and leave you a hug when you really stand yes. up and leave. And I'm hoping that you listeners got a lot of value out of this. Thank you guys. I, I did. Lots of great tips here. Namaste. Namaste.